Open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Nitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. It's kind of a stealth bull market when you think about it, because, I mean, our all-time market cap high of 20%. Nobody's talking about Bitcoin being at an all-time high, but it's at a massive all-time high in terms of market cap, especially on the 200-day moving average. Sprott Asset Management and a fund managed directly by Rick Rule have recently come into this tiny zinc company to become their largest shareholder. Since their recent drill results, Sprott has joined other large institutions like Euro-Pacific Gold, Resource Capital Funds, and the Commodity Discovery Fund. To learn more about this incredible opportunity in the resource sector, visit crushthestreet.com slash zinc. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to CrushTheStreet.com. I'm Kenneth Amaduri, and I'm joined today with Trace Mayer, the man in the Bitcoin community, flying all around the world, uh, a mover and shaker, really, in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, and he's funded core infrastructure technologies, and you know he's working on a daily basis, building out this incredible technology. He hosts the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, and uh, man, uh, Trace, let's get right into it. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, doing wonderful. How, how can I not be? Bitcoin's at, uh, hits $800 on the Chinese exchanges, so it's at the highest nominal price in the last uh, 34 months or so. You know, it is crazy because when you compare it to gold, uh, gold's been struggling with dollar strength, but here we have Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is doing well. So yeah, let's let's talk about that. Why are we seeing such strength in Bitcoin? And I know you've been extremely bullish on Bitcoin, and you've even talked about it going as high as a million dollars or more here. So uh, you know, give you let's get your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I think it was about six months ago. I did an interview, I think, both with you and another one with Jeff Berwick, and uh, put a three thousand uh, dollar price out there for this current bull up leg uh, in terms of like kind of the upper ceiling, right? And here we are, we're up uh, another probably 50-70% since that call and we see no signs of this bull market uh, even retreating much. I like to filter out all the daily noise. so. If we look at the 200-day moving average, we're now at $9.7 billion market cap for the 200-day moving average of Bitcoin. And that's important to keep in mind because we've had the block reward decrease. It's gone from 50 to 25 to now 12.5. That means that our current inflation rate's about 4.9%. And that's, you know, all but 20 currencies in the world have a higher inflation rate. And if we look at the 200-day moving average of the market cap 
previous all-time high was $8 billion. And this was when Bitcoin hit its $1,200 of Bitcoin. So we're nearly 20% above the previous 200-day moving average all-time high market cap. And Bitcoin showing no sign of, uh, of, of losing any type of steam or anything. If anything, it's actually picking up steam. And if we look at the rate of change of that 200-day moving average, it was about 0.7% per day uh, back that previous run. And this time, it's about 0.22% uh, per day. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, it takes uh, a lot higher moves to move the needle on this larger market cap. But we're showing a strength of nearly 33% in terms of the daily rate of change of the 200-day moving average. And, you know, when you're moving from a 100 million market cap to an 8 to a 9 billion market cap, I mean, that's a, to keep up a, a really high rate of change like that, uh, especially on the 200-day moving average, it just shows incredible strength. Yeah. Wow. Well, so for all the pundits out there who think Bitcoin is going away, I mean, that's some pretty clear evidence of the momentum it truly has. Oh, I mean, huge moment. I mean, pundits, like, by by all means, show me the other side of the argument. But I mean, we're we're looking at massive volumes. We're looking at I mean, th this is a this is this has a 10 billion dollar market cap, but it's trading its trading volumes are, at least on the, the actual recorded exchanges that are public, it's trading like a large cap stock in terms of daily volumes. And that's not taking into account all the, all the transaction purchases that are done, all the people that are earning money every day. Like these are, these are uh, exchanges that are happening off exchange, cash for Bitcoin, gold for Bitcoin. So, I mean, Bitcoin is highly liquid, lots of volume. And that's that means that we're getting price discovery, accurate price discovery, especially because there's cash delivery on the market, right? Like right. you have to deliver the bitcoins. There's none of this paper gold bitcoin stuff. When that happens, you the the exchange goes bankrupt and it's gone. Uh, but I mean, this is just huge, huge underlying strength, uh, and it's kind of a stealth bull market when you think about it. Because I mean, our all-time market cap high of 20%. Nobody's talking about Bitcoin being at an all-time high, but it's at a massive all-time high in terms of market cap, especially on the 200-day moving average. Wow. Well, uh, big news as of lately, aside from the Bitcoin price, uh, is the possible solution to the blockchain crisis, which is a software update called SegWit, uh, which reached 30% of Bitcoin nodes so far waiting to be activated. Uh, Trace, could you explain what this is and the process of adoption? Yeah, so uh, we have Bitcoin Core, which is the, the oldest, the longest, the most trusted, the most secure uh, software when you're running a full node, which is what you do to have network consensus and then you uh, parse the blockchain yourself, and that's where you get economic consensus. So you really want to have both of these. Uh, Bitcoin Core is by far the best when it comes to network consensus, and really, there's no one else out there because you know all the all the Dream Team programmers work on Bitcoin Core because you know that's <laughs> that's where all the action's at, and so. In Bitcoin Core, they've rolled out SegWit, and this came from Dr. Peter Woola, who's you know one of our all-star programmers. He's kind of like our, 
you know, our Scottie Pippen or our Michael Jordan of the, <laughs> of the basketball team. And, and what segregated witness does, it doesn't increase the block size limit. The block size limit stays at one megabyte. But what it does is it takes the, the witness data. So this is, these are the digital signatures and it takes them out of the block and, and just puts a small amount of data in its place. And so the effect that that has is that you're able to get about, you know, two to four megabytes of equivalent uh, transaction data into each block. So it's not that you have a larger block, it's that you use the block more efficiently that you have. And the net effect is that, yeah, it, it, you get basically a block size increase effect. You know, people are able to do more transactions. And, but but that's kind of the the little part of SegWit that that I personally get excited about. What I'm really excited about is that it fixes a problem called transaction mailability, uh, along with some other stuff that it does. And the 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 combined effect of all of these uh, features and fixes that SegWit rolls out is that it it's going to make Bitcoin incredibly more useful. Uh, we'll be able to do a lot more things with it from the programmatic aspect. And that's going to make Bitcoin just that much more uh, useful and valuable. So any potential consequences if it's not adopted, a price drop uh, or, or solutions to if it's not adopted? Um, I mean, if it's not adopted, it's just, you know, going to be code that, that doesn't get taken up by the network so it won't harm bitcoin in any way uh i mean there really are just so many benefits to it uh that's one of the reasons i think we're seeing it getting updated and adopted by nodes at, at a very fast pace uh, a faster pace than lots of other previous soft forks because this is a soft fork not a hard fork so it's uh safer to do in general for the for the network um it's got a year uh, to be adopted as, in terms of the code that is currently implemented, that, that would currently implement it. And if it's not adopted within a year, then I guess it, you know, we go back and revisit, revisit whether we include an, put another year-long expiration on it or something like that. But I mean, it, it just has so many benefits. It changes. Uh, you, get, you get linear scaling of signature hash operations instead of quadratic scaling. So this uh, just... Uh, it makes it so much more efficient to to store the blockchain and, and use these things. You get help with uh, signing of input values. You get uh, pay to script hash, increased security. You get uh, you reduce UTXO growth. I mean, uh, there 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 are just so many reasons for the network as a whole and the Bitcoin community as a whole to really get behind and rally behind segregated witness that. Uh, I think we're going to see uptake on it pretty quickly. Trace, and we're already at like thirty percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Trace, um, let's talk about the Winklevoss Bitcoin ETF, and this is interesting for investors here. Uh, there's been a trickle of updates, but what is the latest on this? And uh, are we? Is it ever going to come to fruition, or is it just being blocked because it's so anti-establishment? Uh, I think the regulators are just being extremely cautious. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, let's make an ETF with magic internet money. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, but no, I, I think they're just being cautious. We've seen quite a bit of the underlying infrastructure being done to lay the groundwork for it. For example, I was talking with uh, some of the guys from Terra Exchange. This was before they launched, uh, so I was talking with them a couple of years ago. Uh, they're a swap ex- execution facility for derivatives on Bitcoin. And one of the big problems that the regulators had was, you know, how do we actually get a price for Bitcoin? Because, uh, I mean, we can get a price for gold very easily. We LBMA, right? We can get a price for silver and platinum but like and rhodium. But how do we get a price for Bitcoin? And that was the big problem that, that they had. And we saw in uh, about a month ago, the CME has come out with creating an index for the Bitcoin price. And they pull price data from Kraken, which is the exchange I'm invested in, and a lot of other of the reputable exchanges. And so, you know, after after we have the CME putting their stamp on a Bitcoin price, uh, and that and that goes, you know, and goes on for a couple months, then I think the regulators are going to be able to be like, okay, look, we've got a reputable institution that's that's feeding a, a Bitcoin price. We can move into uh, having a an ETF product. And remember, we still have the GBTC ET, uh, a trust that's that's trading out there. So there is a financial instrument for, fi- for, for trading it. And we are seeing the premiums to NAV on that actually begin shrinking. So I think it's starting to price in the probability that, a, that an ETF approval might happen. Now, in terms of the ETF, there are actually two ETFs out there. Uh, one is SolidX's ETF, and that's going to be listed on the NYSE. And then you've got the Winklevoss ETF that's going to be listed on BATS. And uh, the SolidX ETF, their deadline for rebuttals is December 7th. And the and then the, the next thing on the calendar is going to be a possible deadline for the Winklevoss ETF decision, and that's January 10th. And then a possible decision on the SolidX ETF decision on January 29th. So we got, you know, the regulators can move uh, in January or they can issue another 60-day extension, which I I could see them probably like issuing another 60-day extension just to get another two months of CME price data out there. Um, But, you know, both of these ETFs are going to have a big impact. And I think it's also good for the regulators to have two different ETF products competing in the market out there. Um, and then that, you know, then investors kind of get to do their due diligence and, you know, can go with one or the other or both. Yeah, that's a good point right there. Uh, Trace, uh, what country in the world is seeing the biggest Bitcoin growth now? And I'm curious, you know, because of all the problems with, we're seeing in the monetary system, uh, what, where, where is the growth happening? That is an excellent question. Uh, I don't even think I have any idea on how to answer that, and I'm pretty well connected in the space. Um, When I was down in uh, Buenos Aires uh, last month at the Latin American Bitcoin Conference, we had about 70% of the mining power there represented. So we had lots of Chinese. We had uh, lots of people from the U.S. We We had lots of people from Latin America. We had a quite a few people from Europe. Bitfury was there, for example. So, I mean, I got to really talk with a lot of people and it's it's growing everywhere. Wow. <laughs> like a weed. Um, it's growing crazy. Like, 
for example, two years ago when I was at the Latin American Bitcoin conference, uh, two years ago in Rio, I met with a startup. They had two employees, a ragtag website, a complete, like, you know, a real startup operation. When I met, you know, I ran into them uh, down there last month. They had over 50 employees. They're doing intra-South American remittances. Uh, they got a money transmission license equivalent out of Peru. They're, they're operating in uh, nine countries currently. They're going to be in 13 countries by the end of the year, including China. And so what you're able to do is you're able to buy Bitcoins with Venezuelan Bolivars or Argentine Pesos or Peruvian Soles, etc. Uh, you buy the Bitcoins with that. Then you sell the Bitcoins for the equivalent fiat and withdraw it to your bank account. Well, there's $300 billion of intra-South American remittances that happen, and they're prevented from, because of the stupid laws, they're prevented from buying bolivars and selling Argentine pesos. So you have to use Bitcoin as this intermediary. Well, what that does is it, it means that they have to create an order book and an exchange, and then they're opening up the yuan also. And there's a ton of cross-border uh, payments that are done because if you want to wire Brazilian reals to China – which then gets stuck in China because you can't take them out, which the Chinese don't want, you have to go through the central bank and get approval for every single wire transfer. And it usually takes 45 days. Or you can sell reals, buy Bitcoin, sell Bitcoin, buy yuan. Boom, you're, you're done. You've paid your supplier. You've paid your, your, export, your importer. You, you've imported the computer products. You've paid the exporter. And you're using Bitcoin as the pipes. And, uh, and so, it, I mean... That's what's happening. Like it's getting uptake all over the world, and we're seeing a lot of global trade beginning to use these pipes. You know, Chinese shipping stuff to Brazilians or to Chileans. Uh, we're seeing. Uh, I mean, it. It's just it's growing all over the place, and a lot of this volume doesn't show up on the actual exchanges. Yeah. Either. No, that, that's a good you point. Know? Yeah. So, so I mean, we we have a ton of growth that's going on. I mean, I look at. At website traffic and everything. Uh, I mean, like just the just the Spanish speaking pages and stuff. The traffic's up three hundred percent year over year. So we're obviously seeing huge growth in Latin America. Uh, I mean, that's probably that might be the fastest growing area, but only because it took a little bit longer to get up uptake down there. Uh, but I mean, we're we're seeing significant growth just all over the world. Um, volumes are up all over the world. Number of exchanges are up. Uh, I mean, it's it's really phenomenal. Like what's going on in terms of the fundamentals of Bitcoin. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what about China? Are they still in control of much of the Bitcoin mining? And are there any new trends in the mining space? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So. Yes, they're, they're, almost all the mining is still going on over there. Uh, Bitfury is coming, you know, coming out with a new chip and everything. Um, there, there's also massive interest from the Chinese government officials. You know, they're attending conferences every week. Uh, they're, they're very interested in blockchain and financial technology and all of this stuff. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're seeing the Chinese move into the space uh, at a at a rapid rate, um, and then <laughs> you know the, the the yuan keeps having to devalue a little bit here and there, and every time it does, the Bitcoin price goes up. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, real I, like I in mean, in dollars? 
or yeah, just I mean, just it, yeah, or just in a, in a, against the yuan. Both. So so the yuan goes down relative to the dollar, and Bitcoin goes up relative to the dollar. So it goes up, you know, even more relative to the yuan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so. So, I mean, I don't know exactly, like, I mean, correlation's not causation, but, I mean, we do know that the, that the Chinese are using Bitcoin as a pipe to move capital. And they got, they got trillions of dollars of bad debt. They have nothing to invest in. There's a massive real estate bubble that has to pop. Uh, they, they don't know where to hide, you know, move and hide all the money. They're trying to do it through mergers and acquisitions, but now the Chinese, uh, Communist Party is trying to crack down on that. Uh, you got billionaire Chinese families that are super interested in Bitcoin. One of them just created a twenty billion, a uh, twenty million dollar uh, investment fund to invest in Bitcoin uh, startups. So, I mean, obviously they're holding some Bitcoin, you would think. So, I mean, it's just man, it's like all systems are go wow. <laughs> right now, <laughs> which is super exciting. Yeah, that that's crazy, man. Um, well, I mean, we had a two-year, you know, we had a two, 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 almost three-year bear market and consolidation. Uh, we weeded out a lot of the, a lot of the hot money, a lot of the speculators. We everybody had their he- heads down, nose to the grindstone. They had to really cut back, tighten the belt, you know, run lean in order to survive. The companies that did survive. Uh, they're coming out of this just smelling like a rose. You know, my company's BitPay and Kraken. Uh, I mean, they're the numbers they're turning in right now are just just great. I mean, uh, I'm couldn't you know I I could hardly be happier. So you know the and and with the price going up, we're going to see whole new waves of companies getting invested in too. Wow, uh, Trace. I don't know if you, I'm sure you have, you've heard the story about the IRS getting ahead of, uh, f- from, a getting the go ahead from a federal judge to seek Coinbase user data. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? You know, the IRS, you know, again, trying to get involved and, and get in the middle of, of Bitcoin, the government. Yeah, I mean, one is like, well, I mean, what are what are they even doing? Like most of the years that they're that they're seeking data for, the Bitcoin price went down. So, uh, you know, if people bought Bitcoin and then they used it for something, they probably had a loss. <laughs> so, so wow. and if they didn't claim if they didn't claim the loss and the IRS finds it, like, what are they going to do? Tell them like, <laughs> oh, we need to send you a refund check. Uh, kind of <laughs> ironic, but. Uh, so, so yeah, it makes me kind of wonder, like, what's the IRS doing? It's also a John Doe summons. So, I mean, they're asking for all user data, which is like millions of people. So that seems extremely overly broad and just like a fishing expedition. Mm. Uh, Coinbase has said that they're going to fight it in court. I mean, how much is, you know, how like to what end, right? Um, they're... <sighs> And and you look at the 2013 day. They they want 2013, 2014, and 2015. Well, if Coinbase starts fighting this in court, 2013, well, the three-year statute of limitations is going to toll. So, like, I don't know how the IRS is like. I mean, what are they going to try and do to like? I, I just I don't know what they're trying to get mm. get at, you know. And then the other because I mean, most of the people are going to have losses because the Bitcoin price was going down for the years that the statute of limitations doesn't, doesn't hit on. Um, 
I mean, maybe they're trying to just like see what the overall usage pattern is with Bitcoin, like see what, um, like how people use it because Coinbase has lots of merchant data and I guess like, oh, well, you know, Bitcoin's an easy picking to get all this like user data and stuff. The problem is, is that, you know, now that they've filed this, like all the Bitcoiners are, you know, they're already paranoid as can be wearing their tinfoil hats. And so now they're just going to upgrade their uh their 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 reactions to this and that means that they're going to not use coinbase as much and they're not going to use the aml kyc uh approved exchanges and stuff as much um and so like you know it's just an example of how bitcoin is anti-fragile and resilient it's you know, it's going to it's going to drive behavior that I think the IRS might not necessarily have wanted to drive. Um, but you know, for me personally, I don't really care because, like, I I I've tried you know my best to account properly for any gains and losses that I've had and and appropriately like pay all the taxes that are due. I mean, I'm fairly public figure, so uh, I kind of you know, have to do that. So it's, um, but you know, for your average Bitcoin user, I just, I, I, I don't know what the, I, I just don't understand like what the IRS is really trying to accomplish. <laughs> right. It just seems like they're going to spend a lot of time and effort and they, you know, what they probably, you know, what they probably should do is just try to try to go in and, and talk with some of the companies and users and just try and figure out like, what what a feasible way of figuring out how to tax would be, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to go about doing that, but I, I do like that what Bitcoin offers, and obviously we've talked about it before, the anonymity, and it gives people that option to, you know, separate himself, themselves from the establishment fiat money and, and the problems yeah, that go I mean, along with all know, of that. Yeah, I mean, getting back to the SegWit argument, um, you know, and what SegWit's going to bring, you know, the, this this IRS news just creates even more public pressure to bring SegWit out because, you know, with SegWit, we're going to be able to do things like Merkleize abstract syntax trees or MAST. We're going to be able to um, we're going to be able to do Schnorr signatures and and other forms of signature aggregation. We might even be able to get things like confidential transactions, coin join, coin swap, uh, all of these things that, you know, right now Bitcoin is very transparent and it's very easy to track like where the Bitcoins went and who did what. But, you know, you start bringing in, you start bringing in the IRS and threatening people with a tax club and guess what happens? Like all of a sudden we have these technological solutions that make it cheaper to also make it more private. So why would people, you know, right now you you can see the Bitcoin economy. What, like, <laughs> why do you want to give a further incentive to make the economy go dark? Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> Be- from, a, from a technical perspective. Yeah. Like encrypting the blockchain as a whole. Like, you know, and, and it's going to be and it's going to be cheaper. Right. Because we're going to be paying less fees. So not only is is it going to go dark and be encrypted, but it's also you're, you're also going to be financially incentivized to do that. Mm. And so 
like I don't. So you know, the IRS coming out with this. Uh, John Doe summons all that because they're targeting every single Bitcoin user, right? They're not targeting a specific Bitcoiner. They're targeting all of the Bitcoin users. So, you know, that's a, that's very problematic. <laughs> well, and that's why people love Bitcoin. It's above the what people can try to control. Uh, let's talk and, about... And, and, and kind of on that point, like, let's keep in mind... What is ha like the intellectual horsepower that's in Bitcoin, right? I mean, you take all the legends who have built the internet, okay? Right. You take all the legends. They're working on Bitcoin full time. I mean, these are guys like Adam Back. He cited in the Tor white paper and the Bitcoin white paper. He worked with David Chom as he was the mentor to David Chom, who were who came out with anonymous digital cash, right? Mm. Bram Cohen, who created BitTorrent. Totally eviscerated the the music and music the music and movie industries. Right, he's working on Bitcoin full time. You bring all these legends in here, and then it's like, well, guess what? They want to work on, and then you throw gasoline on the fire, giving them all the public uh, argument and 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 sentiment to work on this stuff. I mean, it's really kind of crazy because what do they want to do? They want to solve the really tough problem. What's the really tough problem? Totally anonymous, censorship-resistant digital cash that's, wow. progr that's programmable. <laughs> wow. Well, Trace, why give, why give them all the incentive to do that and all the Bitcoin community and the, the incentive to back them in doing that? <laughs> Trace, in conclusion here, what is the biggest development hurdle Bitcoin needs to overcome here in 2017 to move to the next stage? Uh, biggest development hurdle? I would say I, what I would like to see, I'd like to see SegWit get activated. I'd like to see confidential transactions, coin join, coin swap, uh, Schnorr signatures get released and implemented. Uh, you know, and, and I would like to see Bitcoin go dark. I would like to see Bitcoin become <laughs> encrypted so that all these AML, KYC startups basically uh, – all the investors in those companies lose their lose their investment, and Bitcoin goes dark. Mm. And then and then we have no idea what's going on fundamentally with Bitcoin, and it just begins corrosively eating away at all the other legitimate, quote unquote, legitimate worldwide visible economies. <laughs> and and that way we can make it much more expensive to stay in those economies. Yeah. And and, and that will further incentivize the economic producers to move into the Bitcoin economy, which will hopefully bring our Bitcoin price up. That, that's, that's incredible. And I love it. I love it's, uh, it's attack on the, the socialistic communistic, these powers that just want to control everybody. I love how Bitcoin is just such a free market and allows for that and for people to have the freedom that, you know, we've been inherently given, you know? So, uh, trace, any final words of wisdom you want to give the, the audience? And, of course, let everyone know where they can reach out to you or, or just learn more about what you do. Yeah, I mean, I would just say if, if you haven't started using Bitcoin or figured out how to send and receive some coins, I mean, at least get some technological literacy. You cannot afford to be a technological illiterate and ignorant uh, in this information age. I mean, just figure out how to use it. That way you at least have the option to use it if you want to, because having more choices makes you more wealthy than having less choices. Uh, in terms of you know learning about the space and everything, I interview all the top people in Bitcoin uh, on my Bitcoin Knowledge 
www.bitcoin.kn. That's a great place people can uh, learn more, get in touch with me, stuff like that. And as always, it's just been it's been wonderful talking with you on Crush the Street. Trace, thanks again for coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll be doing an update here in the near future. And hey, man, three thousand dollar Bitcoin, here it comes. So. Yeah, or a hundred hundred billion dollar market cap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, you take care. Okay, see. Get a copy of the free Bitcoin Guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.